right, welcome to this week's episode of Football Neophytes. Ironically enough, we're recording on Monday night for a Tuesday drop, the one week that there were no Monday games. So we're here, uh, Chris, up in Phoenix. Bruno, guys. Jeez, stop. A love affair. Kyle, out in Florida. What's going on? Take it, Ezzy. Us. <laughs> I see what you did there. So good. So good, guys. We, we are in like two swing states. So obviously, uh, we've had pretty big weeks waiting for, for votes to come in. Uh, Florida's decided. Um, Arizona is still a little up in the air, although it seems to be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty done. So, yeah, but if you look at our states, though, Kyle, you were a stop the count state, and Nate and I are a count all the votes state. So, right. you know, right, just matters on what's who you want to win. You can just kind of choose, pick and choose uh, if yeah. you want to keep counting or stop counting. So, but well, we're, hey, not, we're not a political program, though, guys. Yeah, that's right. Even though Kyle did tweet at us to do uh, po- political neophytes, <laughs> that's right. Spinoff, spinoff podcast coming in twenty twenty four. Um, this week we're going to look at Wolves and Manchester United as we always do. We're going to talk handball. We're going to talk offsides. We're going to talk sub rule. Should there be five? That's the question. Uh, look a little bit at Liverpool's injury situation. Chelsea's still scoring. Uh, of course, we're going to look at, uh, American watch. We're going to look, take our lock it ins. Another good week for us, and then uh, look forward to the post-international break. Uh, but to start, Chris, good week for Manchester Manchester United. It was. Um, we haven't had many of those lately, so it's You're nice. Not. Nice to be back. Uh, it was good to see goal scored. Uh, it was their first Premier League goal in three matches. So. <laughs> Super exciting to see them not put up another goose egg. Um, I mean, really, this game was just, uh, it was all Bruno, to be honest with you. And I know you want me to stop it, but I can't because he was that good this weekend. And uh, it was good to see him back being the superstar that I think he is and playing that way. Um, It started out not so great with Everton scoring first and, you know, all the drama leading up into the week anyways. And, you know, rumors abound that they reached out to Pogatino and the, uh, during this week, cause they, you know, dropped another match or is their first match that they dropped in the champions league. Um, but it was their third straight non-win, uh, a lot of pressure on Ole team, not looking good. And so, uh, it was good to see them come out and really it was just all Bruno. Bruno scored the first two goals. The first one was a beautiful header. We talked about the headers last week, just, something about that cross coming in as a guy just perfectly times it and then smashes it in with his head. Like when the ball, when the shot off the head is coming in faster than the pass to him, there's just something awesome about that. So he got the first goal that way. The second goal, he was actually trying to pass to Rashford um, and Rashford just missed the header. I saw that. Yeah. But, but he just put it in a perfect spot. You know, if Rashford heads it, it probably still goes in however, which way Rashford heads it. He misses it and it just goes right in off the post um, with just a nice little dink and then break away right at the end of the game. Bruno's all going down basically by himself. Cavani's coming down his left side. Uh, Probably could have scored pretty easily on his own there. He's one-on-one with the defender and the goalie. Um, Instead, he rips a pass off to his left side to a wide open Cavani for Cavani's first goal um, with United. So all in all, 3-1 victory. You got to love it. I I went to bed the night before and I told Jen, you know, Hey, sorry, I'm waking up at five 30 to watch soccer. And she goes, well, you know, it's your team. Hope they win. I said, well, I, I hope they lose, <laughs> uh, you know, because there's yeah, the rumors. I, I really had a feel that if they lose that game, he's gone. I think yeah. Ole's done. I don't think he survives that week, but that brings up like a bigger point for me. And I think um, they talked about it a little bit in the post game was if you're identifying other coaches, one game shouldn't make a yeah. difference. Yeah. Uh, especially a guy like Pochettino, who is going to get a job somewhere. I got to interrupt. I got to interrupt you. Give me the right name. Pochettino. Pochettino. I, I mean, hey, we know that I can't pronounce it. No Enye over the 
final end, such as Pochettino. Pochettino. All right, so you know he's getting a job somewhere. Like, he's probably the best coach that's out there that's available. He's going to get a job somewhere unless he's just picky. Now, if you are at the point where you're reaching out to people, then you've already decided that your manager probably needs to go. And is so that if, like, is that true or is that just rumor? Do they really reach out to him or is just rumor? Because how can you tell? Who knows? You can't believe everything you read. No, you can't. <laughs> I was going to make a Trump joke, but I stopped myself. Good job. That's all right. Because <laughs> we are not a political commentary. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if, if, okay, if it is true, yeah. Then I agree. Matt should not play a factor at all. You need to go get that guy if that's who you actually think is the the best manager for your club going forward. Um, if it's is nothing more than a rumor and people need to calm down, and all of a sudden they think a three one win over a struggling Everton team writes the ship and all's good, then I guess Ole's going to be around for a little while. Well, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like Ole, there's been skepticism surrounding him from the beginning, so. Right it's kind of like how, how long does he, does he really have there? Cause where are they at on the table? 13th? I mean, they're 14th. I want to say, uh, so, yeah, they're 14th I mean, right now, again, they still have the game in hand. So for the, sure. The, but that only the gets, that only gets them up to like nine or something. I guess so, if, they, if they would be in a tie for seventh, if, yeah. if they won that game in hand. Yeah. Um, so it is a big because it's so early and everyone's still clustered. So you know they do have the game in hand. The standing is a little bit, you know, slanted because they they've got one less game than everybody else at this point. <clears throat> um, but I mean, if we're being honest and we're looking at it, if they don't go on that miracle run from February to August last year, yeah, he's, he's already gone. gone. Then. Yeah. Um, you know they. We talked about it when <clears throat> the COVID stop happened that it benefited Man U more than any other team because they were they were really injured yeah. when that stoppage happened and they had just brought in Bruno. Yeah. Um, I think he played one match before the stoppage. And so they, one, got to get healthy, but two, they got to incorporate a pretty good player into their system and get them a ton of training time. It was almost like a little mini offseason in a way for them. So, I, you know, it everything broke the right way for Manchester United last season when it needed to. And that's why he's still there right now, because the team that we're seeing right now is the team that we saw last year before the stoppage that had a lot of talent, inconsistent, inconsistent, couldn't score mysteries. everywhere. can can score, you know, but like scores in patches, right? Like five nil in that champions league match. And then three, three, one this weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I, I don't know enough to just be like, he's terrible. I feel like I know enough to, I know the roster enough to be like, why isn't he playing the best 11 and using it to the best of what I think their abilities can be. But I mean, I'm just don't, I just don't call me impressed. I just, yep. you know, it is what it is. Yeah, can can I ask you guys a question about soccer managers? Yeah. So on a scale, American sports scale from mattering little to mattering a lot. I would say baseball managers matter, honestly, not, not that much. It's mostly about the players. Football coaches matter a ton. The scheme is super important. Um, you know, uh, adjustments, super important. Where in that spectrum do soccer managers fall? Way, like, maybe more than football like football coaches really okay because they almost always have like a general manager role like it's Mm. it's very rare that a a coach doesn't also have like player acquisition control um and so yeah i would say it's way way less likely that a coach or a manager doesn't have a player acquisition role so so you're hmm. you've got a guy who's basically like building the squad, coming up with the tactics and the schemes. And there are a lot of different ways to manage a club. And so I think, and this is my guess, right? As a neophyte, <laughs> but I think at least as much as an NFL coach. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. Um, 
especially because it seems like every manager has their style, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like in the NFL, you have these guys who are like, yeah, I'm more defensive oriented or I'm more offensive oriented. It feels like in, in soccer football, um, like it's just a system as a whole and it's their system that they run and it's either going to work or it's not, especially because like, I don't know, they talk about the shape of the team all the time and that, mm. you know, the shape of your team and how you attack or how you defend is completely based on what the coach decides they think is the best shape to play in. And so, you know, I look and granted, I'm still kind of in favor of Leeds so much right now, especially after watching the the documentary. But the uh, mm-hmm. there is just I mean, he's just an interesting coach, but he's a phenomenal coach. And like the things that go into it and the things that they kind of show you behind the scenes with him, you're just like, wow, that's cool. That's crazy. That's neat. Um, so yeah, I think it matters a ton. Yeah. Yep. That's my, that's the impression I, that's the impression I get as well. Especially when you watch those documentaries, you really get to see how much a team identity is built around, around the coach and how the, or the manager and how they're shaping things. So um Let's talk Lester Wolves. Uh, Wolves lose one nil. Um, I actually only saw the first half. I had to leave at halftime, so I had to catch up uh, via watching some match highlights afterwards. But Wolves didn't look good. Looked like a classic first half for them. Slow, not a lot of attacking uh, presence. Um, and then obviously we have the handball by Kilman, um, which leads to the, the penalty kick. That's, that's what's, uh, what's really frustrating with Wolves. Wolves' defensive structure is so sound. I, and I know that maybe is what makes them a little boring at times. They don't score a ton of, of goals, but their defense is so sound. So when you give up a penalty kick, I mean – Wolves, I think all of the Wolves' victories this year have come from uh, clean sheets, and so you know when you give up a when you give up a goal that early, especially on that cross. I don't know if you guys saw it, but on the cross, um, you know it hits Kilman's hand. But Wolves have four defenders, and I, I think it was Vardy who was who was in in the box, but. There's like there's one Leicester player and four Wolves defenders. So even if the cross gets through, most likely it's defended well, and Wolves can just play play their structure. So going down one nil, um, you know they just and then they could never never get it back. Um, Neves, I don't know if you saw Neves's strike that was saved by Schmeichel. Probably, I mean, for sure, out of all the saves this weekend, that was probably the most important, um, if not the best save. I mean, Neves is known for his long distance curling shots into the corner, and he put just a sick strike on, and Schmeichel got up and made an amazing uh, save. So, uh, and that was really it. There was one other where Den Donker uh, kind of cross came into the box. Den Donker got a foot on it. Um, if he made a good touch, it would have been a goal. He would have steered it right in, but he didn't and pushed it wide. So that was kind of all the, the, the attacking presence wolves had. Um, but, but I do want to go back and talk about the handball rule. Cause it also played a critical role in the, in the Liverpool, Liverpool city match where Gomez had, uh, got called, uh, for a handball as well. And, um, how, did you guys see both those? Were you guys able to kind of like hear some of the commentary surrounding it? I did not. Um, I flipped on that match and it was one, one and, uh, that, that's how it finished. That's all you saw. <laughs> Kyle, did yeah. you see either of the handballs? I didn't get a chance to. Okay. So both of them are absolutely clearly handballs like it's not it's not like one of these questioning plays like did it hit his hand or not what makes it interesting is in both instances uh the commentators said that they didn't think they were fair handballs Hmm. and so uh 
he and the and the the one against Kilman for the Wolves particular per, was particularly harsh. They said, and so well, the deal is on both on both handballs, the defender is making a clear effort to get out of the way and like pull their hand around. And what made the Kilman what made the Kilman one? What Kilman was pulling his hand. I was watching it earlier. The Kilman one, it his hand was out, but he's pulling it back into himself, turning away from the play. And it's, it, it definitely hit his hand, but yep. like, what the hell are you supposed to do? Maybe that's what you're getting at. Sorry for cutting Go, you off. No, it's okay. And Gomez is the same way. The difference, I think, with the reason Kilman's was maybe a little harsher is because the cross was closer to him. So he legitimately had no time. Gomez is even more fully turning away from the ball, and it still strikes his hand. And Connor Cody, who's Wolves' captain, said after the match, he's like, I just don't know what we're supposed to do as defenders. Like, where do we put our hands? Especially on the wings. And I think this is where we'll see it a lot. If you're defending a guy on the wing and you're running backwards, you're running with your arms moving. And these guys are, you know, the, the ball's coming at you so quick, they don't have time to, to pull their hands away. And so um, it's interesting because in a, as an observer, I look and I see it clearly handball. I don't understand the controversy, but um, listening to all the commentary about both of them, they're basically saying these shouldn't be called handballs. And I think the bigger, I think that brings up a bigger question is, get penalty kicks are converted at such a high rate. It seems like such a harsh penalty that like the like wolves lost that match, right. Because of that play, a play that like essentially he, he has no chance to get his, get his hand out of the way. So um, I don't really have a solution. I just wanted to bring it up because I think as, as people newer to the game, they look clearly like handballs. And what stuck out to me was uh, how to me, I'm like, Oh, yep. That was a handball should be a penalty, but how kind of all the commentary around it was suggesting that it was harsh or maybe they shouldn't have been given one. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Right. And, and I said the same thing where as a neophyte of neophytes, it seemed like the penalty for a handball um, that was maybe not intentional or not malice uh, didn't have mouth behind it is so severe that they, they got to find a middle ground there. Yeah. I wonder what the solution is like, cause the, the hard thing. And I think the reason they, they put this, cause I think it's a newer rule where if it hits your hand, it's a handball, no matter what. Yeah, I think um, it went into play this year. What's that? I think it went into play this year uh-huh. where it was just black and white. Yeah. Which that's, what's hard, right? Is like, what's intent. Like, it is hard to judge intent. So by making it black and white, it does take away uh, some of the controversy of it. Um, but, but I think you're right. I wonder if there's a different way to, to penalize it, you know? Well, and you also got to wonder, like, when do players start realizing how much of a benefit it is to them and start taking advantage of that rule? Kind of like passing yeah. in the NFL, like just throw it deep if they touch him, they're probably going to throw a flag and it's going to get you 40 yards. So how long until these top notch guys just start aiming at hands, like even at their sides or whatnot, like just aim at their hand, screw the goal, aim at their hand. Well, they, the, uh, yeah. Right. These guys are skilled enough to like curl the ball from 40 <laughs> yards into the top corner of a goal. Like they can hit a dude's arm right yeah. on a cross. So um, I think you're right. I think there's, there's, the potential for that to happen. So I got two things. Number one, either a penalty box, bring a little hockey into it. You make people go to a penalty box for five minutes. Love all it. Right? Love it. You got to put hand down. Or number two, you literally tie their hands behind their back for the rest of the match. They just have to <laughs> run around. Yeah, it's just freaking <laughs> eating shit, falling down, <laughs> face planning. Hey, at least the injuries it would be real at that point. Yeah, they'll they'll look more like hockey players taking these <laughs> plants. <laughs> well, even with with VAR, one of my solutions when everyone was like freaking out about VAR last year is I thought make it like NFL where you have a challenge flag, so the coach can use a challenge flag once a game or lose a sub, 
right? Mm. So instead of a timeout, which they don't have, if you use your challenge flag and you get it wrong, it goes, you lose one of your subs. It feels like that's a pretty fair way to, to mitigate VAR. Uh, I do want to move on to another rule issue, and that is that is offsides. But maybe before we jump into offsides, because the offsides rule has a lot to do with with Kyle's match. Kyle, why don't you give us a little rundown on uh, Crystal Palace Leeds? Yep. So watch Crystal Palace Leeds this week, and as Chris alluded to last on last week's episode. It was really just an excuse to watch Leeds. Um, but I will say, as I was sitting down to dinner with my girl, Leeds, I started to, my eyes started to drift a little bit towards Crystal Palace. Started to notice there's, an, there's someone else in the room. And my eyes, you know, got a little wayward. And so, um, I, you know, I'm a married man. I don't do that in real life, but in this soccer match, I uh, found myself drifting towards Crystal Palace a little bit. And uh, so what happened was we, we started, sat down, watched the game. Crystal Palace got off to a quick lead on a, on a header uh, from uh, the corner. It was kind of a, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw that goal and, and thought it was a nice header. It seemed a little lucky to me, um, but nevertheless, they got out to a one nothing advantage. Four minutes later, Leeds comes back, ties it up, except they don't, right? They don't because it was a goal by Patrick Bamford. They call it back and say no goal on a, on a VAR review. Um, and to me, right, the neophyte that I am, it seemed absolutely like the wrong call. I think they robbed him. Um, they said, I think his arm was across the line. Um, and I just don't understand why that that call was made. I don't know if you guys have any insight into that, but it just seemed like that that turned the tide for the rest of the match, honestly. Sure. I mean, it would have been tied. Um, and instead, uh, instead, Crystal Palace came down a few minutes later, um, got a, a set piece on a penalty. And as he just hit, you know, what was my goal of the week? I just thought an amazing um, set piece shot in the upper left-hand corner of the goal. Beautiful. But that, that bar call on, on Patrick Bamford completely changed the, the tone of the match. So I don't know if you guys want to comment on that, but I, I thought it was atrocious. Watching it. I would, I couldn't believe it. And it went back to that, the Liverpool offsides yeah. in the season, like coming into this year until that Liverpool thing happened, I had no idea that they measured your armpit as part of your offside. I always thought it was your feet and where your feet were. Right. Um, and so watching that back, they showed it like nine times. And I'm like, what are they even looking at? He's, his feet are clearly behind him. Like, this is not even a question. And then they draw their stupid lines and draw a line up to his armpit. The thing that sucks is he's calling for the pass. He's telling yep. his teammate where to pass. He's saying, throw it in front of me. I'm going there. Yep. And that's where the pass went and where he went to score his goal. So if he doesn't communicate with his teammate, then, you know, the goal stands if his teammate, you know, knows the pass is there for him. But he's literally calling out for the pass. It's, that, to me, is the dumbest thing in the world. Like, uh, your arm should not – I don't know. I Nate, jump in here before. No, I, I totally agree. I just – I saw a tweet that said Robbie Savage has just called this the worst decision in the history of football. <laughs> and and the responses so that I've seen bad. and the, the responses that I've seen in the retweets, all of them say hundred percent agree. I mean, it's, it's an atrocious, atrocious call. And this is, I mean, then this is why I wanted to bring up the offsides thing um, is there's, there should be some level of just like wisdom, right? Like these, and I know that, that VAR and instant replay and all these tools are meant to like maybe take the wisdom out and make it more objective, but the, but, but it's stealing like the heart of the game, right? Especially on something like this, where it's like so clearly not offsides. 
but because he's leaning forward and apparently his armpits off sides, like it's no goal. And I, and I agree. I think cause Bamford scores again, you know, yep. 10, 10 minutes later. And even right. with, I mean, even at that point, then it's, that's two, two potentially, or, you know, obviously it's hard to say because every goal, yeah. you know, re restructures the match, but, but I agree. I think that really costs lead and leads and, and it was just a bad, it was a bit horrible call. And it, it just, it rips your heart out of the game too. Like, I mean, most seasons goals are so hard to come by. So to go from, all right, we tied it back up one, one to being down one Oh again, and then having them score, you know, five minutes later to go up two Oh, like, yep. That's just a demoralizing switch there. Well, and Kyle, you're experiencing football in a way that's like totally unnatural. There's no fans in the stands, but like, oh yeah, where th- where this is like really tragic is for fans. And you know, the more I, you know, as I follow different different fan groups, particularly in Wolverhampton, you know, they just talk about every time we score when they were last season and the season before. Every time we score, you kind of like hold your breath and like look around and that, that kind of like natural jubilation and elation that comes from just the excitement of scoring is reduced. Cause you're always like looking up wondering, Oh, is VAR going to overturn this? You know? Yeah. I never, I didn't think about that, but that would be so true, especially in a sport like, you know, English football, soccer, where, <clears throat> you know, the goals are, are precious, right? And you yeah. just go crazy when you score. And that's, that's one of the best parts of soccer, I could even tell you. Yeah. And, and yet to always have your eye on, you know, the referee or the, the, big, the big board to see if they're calling for a review would, would just, yeah, it would change that, that, you know, celebration for sure. Totally. So, well, yeah, that was, a, that was a bad call. It definitely changed the, the tone of the game. But I will say, um, you know, my mind was quickly shifted off of that because, as Chris mentioned, five minutes later, we get that, that goal by Ezzy, and I, I found a new love. I mean, he is <laughs> incredible. Yeah, um, he was. Yeah. It, the goal was incredible, and then I do I start to learn more about this guy, this 22 year old charismatic guy. Um, you know, I, he's from England, but his family's from I think Nigeria. And uh, you know, just to sum up who he is, I implore all the listeners to go look at the Crystal Palace website with their their squad photos. You know, everyone else on the entire roster is just smiling directly at the camera. Um, you can't see their hands because it's a it's a roster picture, right? Why would you be able to see their hands? Well, Ezzy has got his hands up around his jersey, kind of like pulling at it, like, look at me, just with a smirk on his face. Um, I've never seen that before with, with you know, those stock photos that they use, but um, it was, inc- it, you know, it was awesome. I, I think he is so fun. I can't wait to watch him more and learn more about him um, and that, that, goal experiencing him for the first time was was fantastic so um that that was a lot of fun and then you know as we all know crystal palace for the rest of the match kind of dominated patrick bamford had another nice goal later on for leads but but besides that it was it was a route yeah crystal palace i think i think they finished second in my uh my rundown of my first year i i really, really i really like the crystal palace team i love their kits um yeah they've got a they've got a lot of a lot of likable players um so yeah i i'm i'm a big fan i'm a big fan of that team they got they got my little soft spot in my heart for for crystal palace they do they're they're really interesting right because they've been around forever like there there's one stake that they claim that they might be actually the oldest professional football team um it's a little bit shaky their argument but but they 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 do claim it it's kind of like when you know alabama college football claims like 50 national titles and you're like well 
you know, I don't, I don't know how accurate some of those are. Right. And they're like, well, Bob from down the street said we won this year, so we're going to claim it. Um, <laughs> but, but they, they do, they claim to be one of the oldest teams. Right. But they kind of have a tortured history um, a little bit. So number one, right off the bat, the, the highest they've ever finished is third place. They've never won a league title or an FA cup. Um, so, you know, they, they just haven't been able to experience championships or, or holding up many trophies. Uh, but beyond that, they, the year that they finished third place, they actually did not get to go play in UA, the UEFA cup because the English premier league was coming off a ban because of this thing called the Hazel stadium disaster, which oh, yeah. is where, have you heard about that? Yeah. Where Liverpool and Juventus was, were playing a game in Belgium and there was basically this, this riot, this human stampede that, you know, pretty tragic. It ended up killing 39 people, injuring like 600. But for some reason, the, the English clubs got punished for that. And so the only year that they, they qualify to go to UEFA, they don't get to go because they took away some spots for the English clubs. Um, so again, just tragic history. Um, they had another event that I thought was really funny in 95 there. Chris, you, you might know about this or you'll get a kick out of this. They were playing man, man, you in 95. And um, this guy named Eric Katana got yeah. booted off. And as he's getting booted off, I'm just going to read you what the, the newspaper said. Okay. So Katana walking off the pitch suddenly turned, ran toward the stands over the barrier and landed a, kung fu like kick into the chest of a 20 year old fan <laughs> uh, and so one of their one of their fans got kung fu kicked by a man U player um kung fu or the kung flu stop it <laughs> hey, uh, we're not a political podcast <laughs> uh, a couple more things they have some claim to fames that again are are a little bit tortured unfortunately for their fan base they hold the record for the most points for a relegated Premier League club. So the, they, they scored more points than any other team that's been relegated with 49. 49. Yeah, yes. I think this is just a, a little, uh, a little like important. Like 40 is kind of the magic number. So just kind of okay. know if you might hear that as you're like watching matches later on, you might hear commentators talk about this kind of. 40 threshold like once you get to 40 you're pretty secure traditionally so 49 okay. and they got relegated Jeez, 49 they got relegated guess what that's not all folks they also hold the record for the second most points oh. being relegated <laughs> with 45 oh. and that year they actually finished fourth place but it was the only year where four teams were relegated uh, because oh. they were adjusting the number of teams in the Premier League. Oh, they finished like fourth from bottom. Yes, fourth from bottom, but they got relegated that particular year because of a new rule. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh! Hey, here's here's a little context, Kyle. Last year, forty nine points would have got you twelfth place. Everton's forty nine points last season. They finished in twelfth. Gee, yeah, that's good. That's so, so you know. They, they've been around for a long time. They got a loyal fan base, but they're tortured, which, you know, obviously they're as an ASU fan who just had a torturous oh, weekend, Arizona stop. state football, um, playing oh. USC football. It was awful. So I can, I understand torture, yeah. but I also, you know, can, can relate to if they ever can get over the hump and win, um, it is going to be crazy right in South London. And um, so there's there's always that that silver lining where the more tortured you are, the more fun it's going to be when you actually win. But the other important fact about uh, Crystal Palace, Selhurst Park. You yes. recognize Selhurst Park as the home of Ted Lasso's club. OK, that's okay. where they film, that's where they film uh, 
that's where they filmed Ted Lasso is Selhurst Park. I, I I can see that now. Yeah, with the red and the blue. Um, yep. Interesting. I did not pick up on that during my research, but that's awesome. That's incredible. That's, a, that's definitely a feather in their cap. Yep. Another good thing about Crystal Palace, they sold Aaron Wan-Bissaka to Manchester United. Yep. He was one of my favorite players. He's one of my uh, favorite players there at Crystal Palace. He's one of my favorite players anywhere. He's awesome. He's so he, good. He is good. Yeah, they have um, Oh, go ahead. We have some no, golden boots to hand out? This is I like, got some golden boots to hand out. Let's right, get good, the golden boots. Let's this is always the, the highlight of, of my, my podcast week is the golden boots. <laughs> yeah, you never know what I'm going to throw out there. You know? uh, so with infrastructure, uh, this, you know, is ownership. This is sort of, you know, kind of the, the ability to um, – set up for success in the future, um, coaching, that sort of thing. I'm going to give them four golden boots. Four, in 2010, they got bought out because they were having a bunch of financial trouble by four local fans who had a bunch of money, um, who formed a group, bought them out. Um, and since then, they've still, they still own a big part of the team, but they actually sold a piece of it to the owners of the Philadelphia 76ers. And so process, trust the process. process. Boom. You know, I'm in on that. Daryl Morey, uh, you know, he might have a little say in this going forward. So yeah, four, four golden boots for infrastructure. Love it. That's gotta be one of the bet. That's gotta be one of the top golden boots for infrastructure. We've heard so far. Pretty high up there. It's pretty high up there. The only reason it's not five is process hasn't won anything yet. But um, we're going to ignore most of that right now. Same so. with the 76ers. Yes. Uh, culture, we're going to give out three golden boots. Um, like I said, they got a loyal fan base. Uh, you know, they got this one niche of fans who, you know, they're, they're really blue collar and they show up basically just to protest the greed of the premier league <laughs> um and so I, I really like kind of their their small town i mean they're they're in london but that kind of blue collar part of london um and I, I really like that fan base but like i said super tortured culture too so I, I can't give them too high but kind of somewhere right in the middle three golden boots big strikers big players um again Ezzy's only like 5'10 or something, but that personality out of this room, I, I, I really want to root for him. So I'm going to give him four golden boots just for Ezzy alone. Uh, kits and sponsors. Okay, so for those our longtime listeners, they may know that I gave their sponsor or their kits pretty high marks during the season uh, preview. I was wrong. I didn't enjoy them as much watching them play on match. They look better in pictures. <laughs> um, so I'm going to knock them down to three golden boots. Little, little, uh, I, I can admit when I'm wrong. I'm a humble guy. That WW88 sponsor was a wolf sponsor during my inaugural season. I don't mind it. I don't mind it as much. I don't really understand it, but um I just didn't really like the red and the blue is to, you know, it was a little, a little much. I wanted a little bit more simple, I think. Um, but yeah, I like the Eagle mascot. So you still have three golden boots. That's pretty good. They're going to, I will say this. So again, I was watching them in terms of with leads alongside leads leagues has been the darling of the premier league so far. They certainly captured my heart with the documentary and watching them the first few weeks. Um, I'm going to release a tears, uh, a breakdown of tears for all of my golden boot winners. And uh, all I'll say is, is Crystal Palace did enough to be in a pretty high tier. So take a look, you know, we'll, we'll have that released officially on the next pod, I think, but maybe sooner on Twitter. Ooh, love it. That's a good rundown on Crystal Palace. I, they're uh they are definitely a, a team I love to watch. It's good to see them put a showing out there. Um 
let's just touch on a couple other things from the weekend that I think uh, are are notable. Um, Trent Alexander Arnold with an injury there at Liverpool. Um, he's another important piece to their defense. Obviously, Liverpool City was kind of the match of the weekend. One-one draw. Um, De, Bruyne, De Bruyne missed a, a PK. Um, so I suppose you could say that City City should have won that match. But it'll be interesting to see if Trent Alexander Arnold's out for a long time and uh, with Virgil Van Dyke out for extended period. I, I just don't know what we can expect from Liverpool. Obviously they're, they're still playing at a high, at a high place in the, in the standings, but you know, they're going to start accumulating matches. The longer champions league goes on once the FA cup starts. Um, once we get into the, the December window where there's a couple matches a week, it's going to be, it'll be tough and it'll be, it'll be tough to see how their squad depth is. Obviously, we got all the money in the world to have built a deep squad, but to compete at that high of a level, that many matches, um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and I think if if you're the rest of the league watching that match, uh, that was the best result that you could have hoped for. The rest of the, you know, anytime those two teams put, can lose two points in a week, let alone both of them losing two points in, in a week is the best result for the rest of the fixtures. Yeah, that's true. Um, it also leads us to this the discussion of five the five sub discussion. Both uh, Jurgen and Pep have both come out criticizing the league and you know asking for five subs. I think the rest of Europe is using five subs right now, and yeah, so and, only, and the only, Champions League is also using five subs. So. Um, yeah, so that, that's, you know, Kyle, you didn't see this at the end of last season, but after COVID, when they had to kind of finish the season by playing just a ton of matches, uh, they instituted a five sub rule to kind of relieve some of that pressure from these clubs. And for whatever reason, the FA decided not to, uh, keep that up this year. And I think Jurgen, I think Klopp, that's part, part of his, critique is you've got these guys getting injured and just wondering if that's a part of it. The other thing he was really critical of was the scheduling. Um, he, he was basically asking that saying we should have later matches in, in the day, um, you know, cause they're playing, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday games and then they've got to play like the first or second game of the day. He's like, I'm not asking you for to move the matches to a Monday but move them to the later match. So we at least get to sleep in a little bit <laughs> is essentially <laughs> what he said. Um, and he's been, Liverpool has been appealing to, uh, to the league to try and get some of that scheduling stuff worked out. So thoughts on five subs. I'm for it. I loved it last year with five subs. Um, they also had a water break. Yeah, that's right. After the restart. So they went to five subs and one water break in each half. Mm. Um, which kind of with some orange slices. Yeah. yeah the moms came out, moms well, came out. They had to get I, COVID I, tested as well. <laughs> I mean, I do think I'm mean, not for orange slices, but I mean, the reason they did it was because they were playing through the summer, which they normally don't play through with higher temperatures. They wanted to make sure everyone's hydrated. So it almost was a mommy timeout, but it was kind of cool because it really did give teams a timeout and coaches could implement changes during those timeouts because they're down on the pitch with the guys. Um, so I think from a tactical standpoint, you saw a lot, a lot of changes a lot earlier. In yeah, I, I don't think I would want to go back to that. I think, I, don't I think part of what makes, what makes soccer so exciting is like just the running clock, right. That wow. you're, there's no stops. You've got these, like, cause you would see that in matches too, where a team has momentum and then all of a sudden there's a water break and they've got yeah. to stop. So the, final I don't about the water break, I was just saying they had it, yeah. um, but I am a fan of the five subs, um, especially like, three is really not a lot in a match. And when you get injuries or let's say you've subbed twice and then you get an injury, you're just handcuffed. Um, I was trying to think of alternatives to it of like 
I mean, because the ultimate injury would be is if your goalie goes down. What do you do if your goalie goes down and you've subbed out already? You're you're screwed, right? Gosh, that so, happened. That happened last year, I think, to Liverpool. Gosh, who? I think. Uh, oh man, I'm gonna have to remember who it was, but someone. I'm pretty sure it happened against Liverpool, and one of their position, like their field players, had to go and play play keeper for the end of the match so i don't know maybe you take you know almost like an emergency quarterback situation where they've got like the one extra roster spot for the emergency qb maybe you just say if there's a goalie injury they can just swap it it doesn't count as part of their sub packages um but again i'm all for the five subs if you go to the five subs i think then it's fine you just play with five subs that's a lot of subs yeah, and I don't think you need to do it forever. I think it can be something – it should have been something that was implemented for this season, you know. But once they get back to maybe regular, um, you know, non-COVID life, I think you could go back to three and be fine. They've been playing with three forever. So um, I do want to highlight uh, – oh, Kyle, did you have a question? Uh, well, no, I was just going to say this is where not having any – not being steeped in tradition – at all is kind of fun because i'm for unlimited subs i mean i don't want guys going back into the game but i think if you're on the bench you can come in and i like it i'm with you kyle i think it would be more fun to see more guys you know yes i'm with you that's how i've always wanted it too i've just accepted that they have these sub packages and rules but i would love it i mean especially in the game you're 3-0 at you know 20 minutes left you want to get your young guys some burn in the league like that's the best time to do it not that that happens a lot but um yeah i'm with you 100 percent on the unlimited subs just they can't go back in like like in baseball yep i think the the one thing you'd have to consider though is some sort of rule like within the last 10 minutes or last five minutes because you know, clubs use the subs as, as strategy yeah. for, for killing the clock. And so, you know, how much like the hack a shack type mentality just ruins a basketball game at the end. They would be the same with soccer. If you just got like, we got eight subs left, let's just burn them all for this last eight minutes. It would be yeah. horrific. And well, so that, that gives them the opportunity to revamp how they bring people on and off because it's such a joke how it is right now. Like, um, put a fence, put a fence around it and make it like hockey and you can come off and yeah, off. Well, no, I mean like they should, they should, or, you know, harshly penalize teams who, uh, use it as a stall tattoo. And granted, most teams do use it. They but, do get uh, yellows. Yeah. They'll get yellows for that. Yeah. Obama Yang got a yellow in the Man U Arsenal match last week. Uh, because he literally took five minutes to he walk. left the field too slowly. He went from midfield. He walked to his goalie and then walked up the sideline in play, finally got the yellow card and then walked off. Why? Because it didn't matter. There was, yeah. that's not a punishment. That's not a punishment. Giving a player without a yellow, a yellow for taking seven minutes to walk to his own goalie and then eventually leaving. These guys, it should be run on, run off. You've got, if you're coming off, you've got 30 seconds to get off the pitch or you get a red card. Yep. All right. I just want to mention one other team before we. Well, and this gives me a chance to talk one of my biggest uh, pet peeves about soccer is the pennies that the subs have to wear. (laughs) I don't understand why they have to wear it. This is 2020. We all know who's in the game, who's not in the game. There's 50,000 cameras watching. So no one's going to run out of the field and be like, oh, where'd that guy come from? Mm-hmm. And second of all, if you're going to insist that they wear a penny that I didn't even want to wear in PE when I was in fourth grade, then at least make it, you know, somewhat of a good looking penny. But they, like, I literally think they're meant to embarrass the players who are not playing in the game, which <laughs> you're not playing the game. That's embarrassment enough. Like, you're not good enough to get in. The only thing I would argue there is when you've got a guy on the sideline warming up and you've got like, like wolves are classic at this wolves will send their like wingbacks 
and they'll just be standing way deep on the sideline, like right on the sideline. And Connor Cody will pass, make a pass down to their wingback. And like a, a, a sub on, on the field warming up could look like one of those guys. So that's my only argument for the pennies. Maybe you have something different that they wear, but um, that's a funny, that's funny observation. I kind of like it because it's so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Like they look <laughs> like construction workers out there <laughs> warming up on the sideline. <laughs> and they don't take it off after the game either. And you're like, just take it off. I would take that thing off immediately as soon as the whistle blew. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I do want to, we need to move on, but um, I just want to just talk about Chelsea real quick. Chelsea's still scoring goals. Obviously Mendy allowed a goal. Um, he didn't, it was a shutout record that he could have had, um, didn't get it. But, but again, I think Chelsea scoring lots of goals, playing decent defense, Mendy as keeper, they're going to be a force to reckon with, I think for the rest of the season. So, and that's without Pulisic too. So it's good to see Tammy Abraham getting a lot of burn right now too, because I, I don't know what he did to Frank Lampard. Maybe he doesn't have enough naked pictures of Frankie. Um, but he should have been playing a whole lot more than he was over the last like eight months. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, they brought in so many players in the transfer window that I'm sure a bit of that is trying to figure out like, who do you have and, um, how do you play them all? So, but we'll see. Yeah, I do. I like Tammy Abraham too. He had a, he had a goal this weekend, right? Kind of looks like he missed hit it, but kind of bounced in. So goals are goals. Kyle, uh, What's the term of the week? The week. Derby. Derby. I knew I was hopeful that you were going to pronounce it that way. Um, because <laughs> the, I mean, correct is me. I'm putting correct in like air quotes. Although all of our British listeners will like want to punch me in the face, but Derby, the cor- correct pronunciation is Darby Darby but as I was like doing some research when you told us this was the the terminology well I'd give you the the what it means it's just simply like the name of a local rivalry and local and local can even be can even be a bit like generous but typically like a Darby would be like the North London Darby um is Tottenham Arsenal. So that's like the the North London Derby. Then you have the Manchester <laughs> Derby, City versus United. You have um uh the Merseyside Derby, which is Liverpool versus Everton. Um those are kind of the classic derbies. Then you'll have like other any anytime London teams play each other, they're called derbies because they're all kind of connected. Um, Wolves, Aston Villa, or Wolves, uh, West Brom are derbies. So anything that's kind of a local match, AS. So to put it in like our terms, like ASU U of A would be a derby. Got it. No, okay. so we call them rivalries. They call them derbies, um, but. W- where I kind of realized like the pronunciations a bit like funny for us is that supposedly it comes from, they think it might've originated from the Derby, which was a horse race in England founded by the 12th Earl of Derby in 1780. Mm. And so uh, maybe that's why they lost the revolutionary war because they were too busy messing around with creating horse races in the midst of it. But uh, in 1780, they formed this, the, the Derby. But then it made me think, like, we call it the Kentucky Derby, right? Like, right. So we don't call it the Kentucky Derby. So um, clearly that's just British English pronunciation. But um, I think actually you're going to, ex- I think we're all going to experience the football neophytes Derby when you're in town in December, we're going to go and watch wolves, wolves, man, you. So, so there it is. The correct pronunciation is Darby and it's essentially just a local, a local rivalry. All right. I like it. Thank yep. you. Yeah. 
There we go. Uh, I know, Chris, you already want to give Bruno performance of the week. I'm fine with that. Um, he's on my, my uh, Premier League fantasy team, so he scored me a crap ton of points this weekend, so I'm, I'm okay with that. But I do want to give a quick uh, shout-out to Harry Kane. He scored his 150th goal this weekend. He's the second fastest uh, to ever reach that mark in the Premier League, and he's now ninth all time. So shout out to Harry Kane. Um, scores lots of goals, but has absolutely horrible pep talks. <laughs> I remember my first episode <clears throat> joining you, Nate. Uh, we watched Tottenham <clears throat> that week. And my my takeaway was, I don't know who Harry Kane is, but he's clearly really good at soccer. Yeah, he's he's great. He's yep. he's really great. He really is. Uh, but Bruno was the man of the week, hands down. I don't think anyone could come close to his performance. Yeah, I, I think I'll agree with you as much as I would like not to. Um, but we can all agree on this. Ezzy with the goal of the week. We've all talked about it already. We've all mentioned it already, and we all agree on it. What a strike. Beautiful. Ezzy. I do want to give Shea Adams a, a shout out though, because his his goal was so sick. Those goals where they, where they just crush them, like a hundred mile an hour goal. So good. It was like uh Sala's Sala's goal kick, his penalty kick. Oh yeah. It was like he punished that. He punished that. Can we give a non-goal of the week? Yes. Absolutely. I, I texted you guys about this, but Fulham had an opportunity oh. in like, was it extra time or close to the 90th minute? It was, it was very late in the match and they had an opportunity to tie it up on a penalty. And the guy went up there and basically tapped it with his toe. I don't, I mean, I know that I assume he was trying to do some sort of strategy, but whatever it was, it was a poor strategy. Tapped it with his toe, gave it backspin, and it probably went three miles an hour to the goalie who just sort of nonchalantly caught it and looked at him like, what are you doing? Um, uh, the non-goal of the week. That's pretty funny. Surprising, as much as we were talking about like the danger of penalty kicks, I know off the top of my head there were three misses this week. The Fulham one, De Bruyne just shanked it, mm. and then um, and then Patricio blocked a Vardy, a Jamie Vardy. Jamie, they had a second penalty in that in that match, and Patricio blocked it. I actually thought he blocked it with his nuts at first, the way it looked, but he got it with his knee. Dude, I just watched the Fulham penalty kick again. <laughs> I forgot how bad it was. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've never seen something that bad. Oh, that's pretty bad. And um, the, the camera that stayed on him as he kicked it in his own reaction to what he just did is classic. He's just like, oh, it's called the Fulham Shuffle. They practice it. <laughs> the Fulham Shuffle. The Fulham Shuffle. Love it. We had, for the and it first, was in the 98th minute. <laughs> for the first time this season, I don't think we had no red cards. And uh, good job, everybody! You played good job. fair. Way to way to play fair. Um, and our American watch <laughs> is pretty weak as well. Um, only Anthony Robinson played for Fulham. Um, I didn't see any of that match. Watched a little of the highlights, did a little reading. Sounds like uh, he was good on the attack, but it sounds like he was just manhandled down the left wing. <laughs> it's sound like uh, they were just pumping cross, cross over cross beat past him. So, um, but no more Tim Ream. Tim Ream hasn't started for a couple of matches for Fulham. So that's not a good, that's not a good sign for him. 
I do want to give shout outs though to Owen Odesoe and Zach Steffen, who we haven't even brought up Zach Steffen on the pod yet, but Zach's a, a goalkeeper for City. Um, I think he played in one of their Champions League matches already this season, um, but he was on the bench. Um, Odesoe for Wolves was on the bench again. So um, we need Pulisic to come back to make this bearable, but we'll still give some shout outs because there are some Americans playing. Uh, Chris, there was some some relegation movement, I think, right? Yeah, uh, a little bit of a shakeup down at the bottom. Um, unfortunately for Sheffield United fans, you were not part of that shakeup. You are still in dead last um, with one point on the season. You might want to pick it up. Um, Burnley is also in the bottom three, followed by West Brom at 18th. Uh, thing with Burnley that we got to keep in hand with a couple other clubs or keep in mind with a couple of the other clubs is they have a game in hand. Uh, Burnley's only played seven matches to everyone else, mostly playing eight. So maybe they can get out of it with that game in hand, but I think their game in hand is against Man City. I think. Yeah. I'm not uh, sure. I don't remember. I, I, it's either Man City or Man United. And then Astonville is the other one with a game in hand. And they're they're That's who they're the foursome is that only has played seven games. So that's right. I'm pretty Aston Villa is Manchester United's opener that they canceled. So Burnley, you have a game in hand. Unfortunately, it's against Man City. Yeah. Um, so Sheffield, Burnley, and West Brom are in the relegation zone currently. Yeah. Surprisingly, Kyle's Fulham squad is sitting just on the outside at 17. Um, and I think that that might be a really good segue for us into our lock it ins because we are implementing a new rule that you cannot pick against a team in the regular in the uh, regulation zone. So we can no longer pick our lock it ins against the bottom three. But luckily for Kyle, his favorite pick against is now sitting at 17 and he can continue to pick against them as long as he goes. So. Kyle, why don't we start with you? Who did wait, you wait, 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 wait. We gotta, we gotta do our review of last of last week. Um, another, another uh, clean sweep for us, right? Yeah. Chelsea. I picked yeah. Chel- Kyle, and I both picked Chelsea over Sheffield. We got that. Uh, Chris picked West Ham over Fulham. Got that. This is part of the reason we're instituting this new rule is because. We got to make sure that uh, we stop cherry picking down from below. So, Kyle, take it away. Who are you taking? So, with that, I am going to take <clears throat> Tottenham City to beat City. No, I'm just kidding. I'm taking Everton to beat Fulham. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to pick Fulham, so I got to get in at least one more. Before they get into that relegation zone, Everton over Fulham. Love it. Chris, who are you taking? Um, Earmuffs, Nate. I am only doing this because of how good Southampton's actually playing and the Wolves are struggling to score goals right now. Um, So I'm taking Southampton over the Wolves, just picking a hot team that's scoring a lot of goals right now. Um, but I, I think that that uh, obviously that match could go either way. It's not like the Wolves are a bad team, but you know, I felt like uh, going out on a limb, taking a hot okay. team. And let's be honest, Nate, you should be pretty happy that I picked them. So I know you're on a bit of a win streak, though. So I need I, it's tempered. It's tempered. Yeah, because I've been going against Fulham. That's true. Now that you have to pick a real match, I guess I should feel a bit more uh, encouraged. Yeah. I am going for the biggest shocker of the week. I am actually taking a relegation zone team and I'm taking Burnley over Crystal Palace. Here's my reasoning. Crystal Palace is so streaky and Burnley is so weird in the way they just lock some teams up. So I think Burnley is going to win 2-1 over Crystal Palace. They're going to score in like the night, like, 92nd minute on some wild set piece and they're going to take the three points from crystal palace so there we go we have an international break that starts now 
um, which should be fun. I encourage you guys to watch U.S. men's national team. They didn't play in the October international break because of COVID, but Wolves play Wales sometime, I think, this week. So should be fun to see how our team fares. Pulisic won't be playing, but um, we have a lot of other young Americans who are uh, playing in Europe right now, and so should be fun to see how they do. What if they just wrap Christian's leg up and send him on out there? Like, who cares about Chelsea? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they care about friendlies either. So, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see, especially friendlies against Wales. Um, but in two weeks, we've got another match week coming. That'll be match week nine. Um, I think there's two two matches that are pretty clearly the matches of the week. Uh, at the top of the table, we have Leicester and Liverpool. Um, that should be great. Leicester obviously playing a little better than expected. Pretty similarly to last season where they started off so great and then faded after um, uh, the reopening um, of matches. So, But still, I think that'll be good, especially with Liverpool with, with injuries mounting. Um, uh, Man City versus Tottenham. Yeah, City versus Tottenham, that should be a good match as well. Uh, Tottenham playing great, uh, top of the table. Again, this is like, this is Jose's year, year two. That's when he wins titles. So I think this will be a good, this will be a good test for him to see how he does against City. That's the match I'll be watching too. Um, I got a couple weeks to, I'm going to kind of take in the Tottenham documentary that's out there and get ready to watch that match versus City, which I think will be just a really, you know, great match, a lot of talent on the pitch. So I'm looking forward to that one. You should, if you really have the time, you should try and watch the City documentary too, because those are the last two all or nothing. Yeah. yeah okay. I'd give you, I know you're going to focus on Tottenham, so maybe watch that one first, but. Uh, there is the city one that that lives out there, and most of their players oh, are still there. So, yeah. yeah, it's so good. I haven't watched the Spurs one yet, but Cities is really good. Even the Cities, is, Cities is great. Yeah. So. Uh, up, update on uh, the Burnley bottom three. Uh, their match that was postponed was against Manchester United, not Manchester City. So Villa has City, United has Burnley. Oh, nice. So Burnley should get those points then. Yeah, that's a W. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on who's coaching. That's true. All right, guys. It's been fun. Chris, we'll see yeah. you. Glazers out, boys. Kyle, peace. Later.